Um, today's reading is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. It's on page 1174. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, and has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are us um, together with Israel, members together one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings, for you which are your glory. Thank you, Sarah. It's great to see you here. My name is Jeremy, uh, once again. And um, I don't know what brought you along today. You might have just wandered in at the back. Maybe someone's dragged you along. It's great to have you with us. For the next 25 minutes or so, we're going to look at that part of the Bible and uh, work out what implications it has for us. And that's the kind of thing that we need God's help to do. And so I'm going to pray just as we start. And if you're a praying person, why don't you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Father God, we sang uh, earlier on that your grace is enough. Uh, that grace which the book of Ephesians says you've expressed in your kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And, and so I pray, Father God, that we would be vulnerable to your grace. I pray that we'd be susceptible to your grace this afternoon. And I pray, Father, that we would begin in whatever way to respond to the kindness shown to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Please do that work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, sometimes you, you sort of come back to earth with a bump. Uh, I don't know if you know what that's like. Um, I remember particularly when I used to come back from Christian camps as a teenager, or maybe you've been there as a leader, and um, you have such strong unity with other Christians when you're away on camp. I don't know if you've ever been on summer camp. Uh, I haven't been for a few years, but there's this incredible sense of, of unity. You feel really connected with the other Christians who are there. And you've had a week's teaching from the Bible. And, and, and then, and then you, come, you come back home and you sort of land with a bump. I don't know if you know what that's like. Um, I used to get discouraged by that. I used to really lose heart. Um, and, um, you know, I used to think, wow, when I was there, wow, this is incredible. And then you come back and you think, oh, wow. Um, it's all come to an end. I don't know if you know what that feels like. Um, and, and in the book of Ephesians, oh my goodness, uh, we've seen a, a lot of wows in the first couple of chapters. Paul's been talking about this strong unity, this sort of double unity 
that people have when they've submitted themselves to, to God, unity between Jews and Gentiles and between God and people. This is God's masterpiece. This is his love story um, that he's brought about. And he's going to go on, and Paul's going to go on as he writes to this church in Ephesus, and he's, and he's going to pray that somehow the Ephesian church would have the strength to grasp God's love in four dimensions. Uh, it's how wide and how long and how high and how deep it is. Uh, that they will, he's, he's, he's going to want the, the Ephesians to beg for the power to understand the epic size of God's love. And he starts, if you've got Ephesians 3 there in front of you, it's on page 1174. Uh, you'll see at the beginning of chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul starts by introducing this prayer um, in verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he breaks off, and he doesn't come back to the prayer until verse 14. He starts with the same words. For this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And, and then he goes on, on to pray. But first, he has to stop and explain something. Because he's used the word prisoner in, in verse 1. He's mentioned that he's in prison. Um, and, and really, for the first time in the book of Ephesians, that sort of brings you down with a bump, um, if, I, if I can put it like that. Um, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of... Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in prison. Um, he reminds them. Oh, wow. Um, because suffering and, and prison mean shame and defeat in the first century, and a God who lets his leaders get banged up is just an embarrassment. And um, so Paul has to stop and explain to them why they shouldn't lose heart because they're leader is doing time. And he explains to them they, that they shouldn't be discouraged because, because Paul has had this incredible job that he's been given by God to explain the biggest mystery on earth. And because of that, the Ephesian church is destined for glory. And so, and the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms look at the church, God's masterpiece, this incredible love story, and they panic that's what he says in, in, in this part of Ephesians. Why? Well, Paul's going to come on to that, but the story begins here with the first of, of two points, so let me tell you that. You'll see it up on the screen. Don't be discouraged about Paul. He made plain the mystery. Don't be discouraged about Paul. He made plain the mystery. That's his job. So can you see that in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2? Just read that with me as Paul writes to the Ephesians church. And so, in one sense, he writes to us. This is what he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. God has given Paul a job. Verse 3, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Those are the first leaders of, of the New Testament church. This mystery, verse 6, says Paul, here is the mystery, can you see it? 
This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That's the mystery. So Paul's saying, don't, don't be discouraged. He's a mystery revealer. You know, there, there are plenty of mysteries in life, aren't there? I mean, there are lots of mysteries I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just not clever enough to understand, you know? Um, they're for the experts to understand. Why is inflation so high? I don't know. Um, why, why do chatbots get things wrong? Uh, that's, that's complicated. Um, why in a traffic jam can't everyone just drive forwards on the count of three? That would be great, wouldn't it, if you could do that, but it just doesn't seem to work for reasons that I don't fully understand. Uh, they're for the experts. But, but this mystery at the heart of Christianity is, um, it isn't like that. It's not just for the really clever people, the academics and the pundits. It's not exclusive in that way. You don't need a high IQ. And that's a good thing because that would exclude those of us who struggle. This mystery that Paul's talking about, it's not too hard to understand. It's just that people haven't been told it yet. They just didn't have the information. Um, there, there are all kinds of things like that in everyday life. So um, do you know that sort of tight plastic bit at the end of a shoelace? Um, do you know what that's called? Anyone know what that's called? It's got a name? No, it's called... Um, you see, however long you sit and think about it, you're never going to be able to work it out, are you? It's not the kind of thing you could, if you're really clever, you could sort of work it out. You'll never know unless I tell you. Uh, it's called an aglet, okay? That's the, that's the name for the plastic bit at the end of a shoelace. That's true. Uh, please, please don't, you know, make that the only thing you remember from the sermon. That would be, that would be disappointing. But um, you see, it's not difficult. It's not hard to understand. You just didn't know it. And, and, what, and what people didn't know, what Abraham and Moses and David and Solomon and Isaiah and Jeremiah didn't know was, was the, the triple togetherness of verse 6. Okay, have a look down at verse 6. The triple togetherness. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. It's just the extraordinary part of God's plan. You weren't going to guess it. Um, Paul's been talking about in, in chapter 2. Do you remember the diagram that Madush put up for us? You know, before, the temple was a, was a complete no-go zone for Gentiles. They had to stand outside the front door. But now they're bricks in the wall. It's completely different in, in the church, which is like the, the new temple. Uh, once the Gentiles were, were kept out, now the temple is built out of them. And they're, they're sort of building materials um, of this new temple. We're together under Christ together under him. We're God's masterpiece. This is a love story. And God's brought us in, yeah? So, Paul, why are you in prison? That's the question. You know, if this is so good, what are you doing behind bars? Well, says Paul in verse 7, um, see it down there on page 1174, verse 7, well, says Paul, um, I became a servant of this gospel. And so he's, he's travelled halfway around the Mediterranean 
telling people about what he calls in verse 8, the boundless riches of Christ. So much so that when he gets to Jerusalem in Acts 21, verse 29, that the word got around that he'd taken a guy called Trophimus into the temple, and that, and that caused a riot. That's why he ended up in prison. I mean, I don't think he did, but you can imagine it, can't you? Um, come on, Trophimus, you and I are going to go and pray in the temple because we both have access to God. Um, we can both, verse 12, we can both approach God with freedom and confidence. So we're going to go straight through that barrier, and we're just going to walk straight in. Um, Ephesians 2.22, we've been um, built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So should we go and Trophimus as a Gentile? Should we, should we just go into the temple and show them what it looks like? Um, no one's going to exclude you anymore. It's such a horrible thing to feel excluded, isn't it? To have to wait outside the front door. And Trophimus says, Paul, my whole life has been to show you this, that you, you're completely accepted by God. So get your coat. We're going to walk right to the front. I mean, I don't think that happened, but you can see, you can see how Paul could have done that. Even the rumor of that caused a riot, and that's why Paul's in prison. And that's what led to him being a prisoner in Rome as he writes this letter. And once we get that clear, once we realize that Paul's suffering in order to, to bring about this and, 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 and tell people this incredible message, we're not so worried about Paul's suffering, you see. Um, he calls himself the least uh, less than the least of all God's people, because he knows he doesn't deserve this role that God's given him. He used to be the sort of Richard Dawkins of the first century, basically. But now he's one of the most, he's one of the 13 most privileged people in history. As one of the apostles, he can, he can tell people this message. Okay, put me in prison, said Paul, but don't let that make you question the message. The gospel's too profound for that. It's too important. You know, if, if, if you're not yet a Christian, you haven't thought about this before, please don't write Christ, Christianity off as something trivial. You know, please don't stop thinking about it until you realize how profound it is, how deep a unity it brings. I, I read a quote um, this week from a preacher who... Um, who lived in London, a guy um, who died about 10 years ago. Um, I, I met him once, a guy called John Stott. Uh, this is what he wrote. I think it's a profound reflection, really, on the way that people see Christianity. This is what he put up. Uh, I'll read it to you. Um, Many people are rejecting our gospel today, not because they perceive it to be false, but because they perceive it to be trivial, like a, a hobby, an interest. Please don't make that mistake. The gospel is the most profound thing you will ever hear because it brings unity that you can't find anywhere else in the universe. That's the point. I'm so sorry if I've ever made the gospel sound trivial. Maybe I have, in which case I need, I need your forgiveness. As you, as you read about the Apostle Paul, this is the point, flogged and discredited at the center of a riot, still hated by many if, if Synod this week is, is um, anything to go by. 
then you'll see how he suffered. But it's okay, says Paul. It's okay. Don't let that get you down. I've been a, I've been a mystery messenger. I've I brought you this incredible mystery that brings profound unity. So it's okay. Um, or a pastor in Nigeria that I was reading about, um, Jerry Hinjari, he was abducted less than a fortnight ago, just a week ago on Wednesday. He was abducted from his church in Nigeria, um, and his body was found the next day, abducted by Islamic extremists. Um, don't, don't be discouraged by his family's sufferings. Uh, yeah, we want to grieve with them but we don't want to be discouraged. He was preaching to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. He was talking about a new dwelling for God made out of people, a triple togetherness. But don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged about Paul, Ephesians says. He may play the mystery. That was his job. He, he brought this profound message to the church. And, and now, um, verses 10 to 13... The church is displaying it to the whole universe. That's the second point uh, and our only other point from this first half of chapter 3. Don't be discouraged about the church. We're showing God's wisdom. That's our job. Let's pick things up in verse 10. Can you see that verse 10 of chapter 3? Um, we want to say, say to Paul, tell, just... Tell me, Paul, um, I'm still finding this hard. What is God's ultimate intention in, in all this that he's doing? Um, his intent, Paul says in verse 10, his intent was that now through the church, the, the manifold, that means sort of many-faceted wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, the church is to display this sort of triple togetherness of God's people to the world. That in itself is something amazing, you know. I mean, Martin Luther King dreamed of this in 1963. I have a dream, he said, of, of a brotherhood who will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together. The church is that. It's not perfect. But that togetherness has started it turns out that that's just part of something bigger. It's part of something even bigger. Just turn back a page um, to Ephesians chapter 1 and have a look at verse 9. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9. Um, in fact, I'm going to start at the beginning of the line. Um, this is what it says. With all wisdom and understanding, Paul's talking about God's big plan. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery, same word again, of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. You see that? God's master plan for the universe is to bring everything under Christ's rule, to bring harmony to a fractured world. Sinners like you and me brought under Christ's headship in a, in a reunited creation um, everything together under Christ, everything as it should be. That's God's ultimate plan. So Ephesians chapter 1 talks about this plan to bring all things to unity under Christ. And then Ephesians chapter 2 talks about this double unity between God and people and between Jews and Gentiles. And here's, here's the thing. The second is the beginning of the first. 
if, if, if I can put it like that. Unity in the church now is the start of what will happen when Jesus returns. Can you see that? Um, I remember reading years ago, uh, I lived in this part of town for a, um, for a little while now, I remember reading years ago that they were going to build some flats on the inside of, the, of some gas holders at King's Cross. Uh, it struck me as a cool idea, but I never actually thought that they would do it. Uh, I have to say, I was a little bit cynical. Uh, it's just a, a chaotic building site, really. Uh, it was bunch of sort of wasteland and old tracks and um, I think there was a sort of um, driving range there. It's just a weird part of town and I thought really are they going to do that? Um, I like the pictures um, and then six or seven years ago they opened the show home and he thought oh my goodness they're actually going to do this. Um, here's the beginning of an incredible building project and, and it's not just a picture, it's the real thing. It's going to happen. Not just artist's impression, it's, it's there in, in bricks and mortar. It's coming about. And the church, church is a bit like that. You know, I, there's this whole unseen world that, that, that we're not really aware of a lot of the time. There's this whole unseen world of... Um, sort of powers, both good and bad, uh, which is invisible to us at the moment. Paul's going to talk about that quite a lot before he's done with this letter. He comes back to that at the end. It's a whole unseen world of good and evil. And, you know, and, and you might think that a church like ours could have a, could have a bit of an impact in, in the local area, maybe, um, maybe around Middleton Square or you know, around, uh, I mean, we might sort of influence some people in Angel or uh, maybe in the borough, you know, borough of Islington, if we think big. Can you imagine? Maybe the council are going to start talking about us. Um, it's possible, isn't it? Um, maybe the whole of London. I mean, that, that would be something, wouldn't it? Um, something if Trinity Church Islington sort of had an impact over the whole of London. Paul says you've got a bigger role than that actually. As you and I sort of relate together over a cup of coffee at the urn over there, um, you know, as, um, as we approach God together in freedom and confidence, as we sing songs together uh, with the people in our pew or on our side of the church or, or together as, as a local church, the evil powers in the universe are panicking. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Because they realize you know, they, they, they see what we're doing and they think, oh no, um, God has won in this church and it's only a matter of time before he does this to the whole universe. It's only a matter of time. God is doing, as, as a friend of mine puts it, he's doing show and tell with his local church. And the powers and authorities can see their end because God's master plan has begun. Uh, we're going to finish in just a second, but three headlines then to take into the week. Just three headlines. You'll see them come up. It's things to think about. Uh, do you stick around afterwards, chat, with, chat about them, have a think, 
Uh, come to tea and toast if you want. Carry on talking about them. Firstly, I mustn't despise church. It's easily done, isn't it, in a, in a city like ours? You know, there, there are West End productions which look incredible. There are, there are slick companies in the city where everything is super organized with the latest apps. There, there's, you know, professional childcare where your kids can get the very latest in sort of educational psychology. And uh, there are buildings that are supremely comfortable. And then we come to a place like Trinity, and we can just despise it slightly. Um, you know, then the little things start to annoy us, and then uh, we can get a bit cut off from our church family. Uh, the evil forces will love that because we've started to focus on the trivial. We're not to despise church. You know, the Bible says that our church is a window into eternity. It's in an enacted piece of heaven. It's God's masterpiece. It's a love story. This is a profound unity that exists in God's church. We're to value that. It's the show home of God's plan. We want to say that we were there when it all started. I mustn't despise the church. Secondly, I won't lose heart. I won't lose heart. I won't, I won't get discouraged. I mean, there are probably dark days ahead. Uh, it's, you know, it's fair to say. But we're not to lose heart when, when church leaders or, or when ordinary Christians um, go through hard times, yeah? Um, when we hear what Paul said, dismissed in favor of what people feel, or... Um, you know, when we see people turn away from, from biblical truth and turn against us, maybe. Because Paul's sufferings were for our glory, that's what he says, for our going to glory, for our future inheritance. Um, Paul's sufferings were for that, and that's the pattern. We know what the future holds. And even when people are put in prison, we won't let that make us question the message. We we'll need to hold fast to what Paul says, and glory is guaranteed. And lastly, I'll, I'll want to relish my relationships. Relish my relationships here at church. Um, I mean, you might have noticed the show home still needs a bit of work. Um, it's not quite there yet. A uh, quick glance around will probably show you. A quick glance at me will probably show you. Paul's going to go on and pray for us. Uh, you'll need to come back next week to hear about that. We're going to look at Paul's beautiful prayer at the end of chapter 3. It's going to launch our week of prayer. And then Paul's going to turn in chapters 4 to 6 uh, to a, a section that, that shows how we can live to make God's unity even clearer in the, in the local church. Um, we might not think that sounds very exciting or impressive. Uh, be humble and gentle and patient. Don't gossip. Don't slander. Uh, don't harbor grudges. That might seem very sort of down to earth after God's incredible plan, but we need to see how, as we work at those things, not lying, not getting angry, speaking the truth, as we work at those things, then what we're doing is displaying God's mystery to the universe. We're being God's advert to the powers and authorities of what, what unity looks like with the first rollout of God's big plan. Now, how we treat each other as we walk in through that door is how God declares his plan for the universe to a watching spiritual world, and we're part of that. 
Well, we'll think about that again next week, but we need to finish. So just as we do so, why don't I pray? Let's pray. Father God, thank you that in Jesus, we too are being built together to become a dwelling in which you live by your Spirit. Thank you that we are sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Thank you that we're not to be discouraged because Paul's sufferings are our glory. We can approach you with freedom and confidence. And so we thank you, Father, that uh, as Paul um, was given this task of being part of declaring your incredible plan, so we are part of living that out um, day by day. And so I pray, Father, that you would be challenging us to value our church and and, uh, and, and, and not to lose heart uh, in the fight and, and to, to cherish our relationships one with another. I pray, Father, that we would be a visible proof that your plan is real and that one day you will bring perfect unity under your Son. And we pray in his name. Amen.